This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Well, good evening, everybody. Are you well today? Blessed and highly favored? Praise the Lord. Are you ready for the word? Well, won't you stand with me this evening? We're going to get right into it. While you're doing that, I would love to take this opportunity and thank Apostle Theo and Dr. Bear for the great privilege and honor it is to be able to share the Word of God with you this evening. Let us bow our heads and let's uh, allow the Holy Ghost to have His way tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, as we come to you this evening, we always remind ourselves that without you, we can do nothing. So tonight, we come and totally depend upon you. Lord, my prayer is that every ear is open to hear Every heart is ready to receive, and every life will change as a result of your word. I do not trust in my own ability, but totally depend upon you. And in advance, I want to give you alone all the praise, the honor, and the glory for everything that shall be accomplished through your word this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you may be seated, and as you are taking your seats this evening, I want to encourage you always to bring your Bible and a notebook, follow in your Bibles, and uh, obviously... uh, take some notes down. We do have notes available on our CFC app. You can go there if you'd like to use those as well. And there's some fill-ins that you can fill in as you want to make some notes as we go along. Well, family, tonight we're starting a really exciting new series called The Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. I'm really excited about it. And uh, obviously the, the team here are going to do it over the next couple of weeks. And so I get the privilege of being able to kick it off and start it off, which is really awesome. Now, are we calling it the nine Beatitudes? I know that some Bible scholars say there's eight, but I believe there's nine, and we believe there's nine, and so we're going to look and study these nine truths that Jesus told us. Now, in Matthew's chapter 5, 6, and 7, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is known as the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, Jesus obviously says a lot to us. It's a great sermon. I'd encourage you to go read those chapters. It won't take you long. But he starts off this sermon with these Beatitudes. And family, I want to say up front so that you're ready, that you're prepared. For those of you online, for those of you in other venues, for those of you here with us in the main auditorium, this series will challenge you. It's going to challenge us. It's going to challenge me. It's going to challenge us all. Why? Because we truly want life change, isn't that? We want to be more and more like Jesus. That must be the desire of our heart. Would you agree with me, family, that our world is a kind of upside down? It's standing on its head, right? I mean, if you just look at all the things that are happening, not only in our nation, but in the nations around the world, if you just look at how people approach different situations, I mean, wouldn't you agree? Maybe we shouldn't, but wouldn't you think (laughs) that people's morals are a bit off kilter? Values are just not where they need to be. Some people's truths are just no truths at all. Isn't that right? And I believe we need a revival. We need a revival in our nation. We need a revival in the world. And you know, as much as laws and institutions are important, and I do agree with having laws and institutions that govern our nations and, 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 and uh, obviously help people stay on track, but it's true to say that just because there's a law that says don't steal doesn't mean people don't steal. Just because there's a law that says don't murder doesn't mean people don't murder, even though those are laws in nations. So even with all the laws and institutions, they don't change a person. The only one who can, the only one who can change a heart is Jesus. And we need a heart change, amen? 
Jesus did it. As we read through the Gospels, and I'm sure you have many examples in your own lives of friends and family, that through the Word of God, through Jesus, they changed from being the person that seemed so off kilter <laughs> to a loving child of God. So family, we're going to look at that this evening. We're going to look at how these things will change us, help us to be the person that Jesus has destined us to be. So if you're ready, go to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1, and we're going to read through these nine Beatitudes, and obviously we're going to go through them one a week. We're going to be starting with the first one tonight, but let's open up there in Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. I'm reading from the NIV translation, and this is how it starts in verse 1. It says, when he saw the crowds, that Jesus, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him. And he began to teach them, saying, this is what he said to them. So here's his sermon, and these are his opening statements. I want you to think about this. Out of everything Jesus could have started with, he started with this. And this is what he said. Verse number three. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're going to look at that one tonight. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Verse number six. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. We can have more merciful people around, amen? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Who thinks we can have a few peacemakers right now in the world? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And verse 11 and 12, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Family, tonight as we go into this, I want you to know this up front, that there's more to your walk with God than just making it to heaven. There's more to your salvation than just making it to heaven. If that's all it was, it would still be worth it, amen? But I want you to know that God wants you, your families, your households, your friends. He wants wholeness, completeness. He wants blessed families. He wants united people. He wants you to walk in health. That's his desire for all of us. He wants that. So on this journey until we get to heaven, God wants us to enjoy those blessings and benefits as well. That's what he wants for us. And so before we kick this part one off uh, this evening with the, the first portion, there are two things that I'd like you to see before we get going. And the first is this. These statements that we've just read, these statements reveal where true happiness can be found. That's what they do. They reveal where true happiness can be found. If you'll notice when we were reading through them, all nine begin with the word blessed. Did you see that? All nine began with the word blessed. Now in the Greek, in the original writings in the Greek, that word Blessed is the word makarios. I hope I'm pronouncing it right, makarios. And a lot of translators either use the word blessed 
or happy when they translated that word makarios. But it's not blessed because you have a lot of stuff. It's not that blessed. And it's not happy like, well, I'm happy. Things are going well with me. It's not that either. The best way to translate that or describe it is this. That word blessed that the Lord intended was this. There's an eternal joy, an eternal joy that the world cannot give you. You are completely different. And circumstances, no matter what circumstances you face, they cannot knock you off of that joy. That's what that word blessed actually means. And those who don't have that blessed, that makarios, are moved by what's happening around them or what's coming toward them or what they're going through. They are moved by that but not the children of God. Amen. We shouldn't be. The people of God are supposed to have something so deep inside of them that regardless of what your circumstances are, you have that eternal joy of the Lord. And Jesus is saying, these are found in some of the most unlikely places. And we're going to see that as we go through these nine Beatitudes. We're going to see that those blessings are are found, that eternal joy, that something inside of you, no matter what you're facing, you just know, the Lord is with me. The joy of the Lord is my strength, amen? And the second thing I want to say, say to you, or the second statement is this, that these statements that we read show the potential of what can be ours. That's what they show, the potential of what can be ours. Did you notice they end with the words, for theirs or for they? We want the for theirs and the for theys in our life, isn't that right? We want what those uh, promises and those truths offer us. And that's what we're going to learn about and how we're going to do that. So this evening, let's start with the very first one there in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3. And I want you to take some notes down as we go along. Because I believe that the Lord is going to reveal to you something you've possibly never seen there before. So let's read Matthew 5 and verse 3 again. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, that's an interesting language. Think about that. You wouldn't normally put the word blessed and poor in the same sentence, would you? <laughs> you wouldn't normally write it that way. But yeah, God is saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, family, you can get all that God has for you. Every one of us. We can get everything that the Lord truly has for us in this life if we realize that we stand before him absolutely bankrupt. If we realize that we stand before him, absolutely bankrupt. There's nothing we have that can change God's love for you. There's nothing you can do that can make God love you more. You've got to understand that if we stand before him that way. You see the word poor here that we've just read, poor in spirit. There's only two words in the Greek with that word poor. And the one is, the one word poor means you don't have enough. You do have money, for example, but you just don't have enough. So that person's poor. They got stuff, but they don't have a lot. That's the one word poor, but that's not the one that the Bible is using here. There's another word for poor, which means, this is what it means, you have nothing at all. You are completely destitute. That's the word that the Bible is using here when it says poor in spirit. That's the one that, the, word, that the, the Lord is using. Now, I want to describe Matthew 5, verse 3 this way. I want to read it to you this way. I believe this way will get us a, give us a better understanding of what God is saying. It's this way. Blessed is the person who realizes they are completely destitute, 
utterly helpless, one who realizes their absolute need for God. That's what that verse is saying. You and I have to get to that place where we recognize that truly, truly, without Jesus, we have nothing. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. That's what he said. I want us to look at it in a few other translations. It will give us a better understanding of that. Let's look at the same verse in the New Living Translation, and it says it this way. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. The God's Word translation says it this way. Blessed are those who recognize they are spiritually helpless. Do you know what it's like to be helpless? To be helpless is where you know there's nothing you can do that's going to change your situation. You just have no way out to be helpless. The Bible says, blessed are those who recognize they are spiritually helpless. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. And then the New Century Version says it this way. Those people who know they have great spiritual needs are happy <laughs> because the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Doesn't those three translations just help us to get a better understanding of what God is saying in this first beatitude? But here's the problem, family. The problem is this. There are a number of people who don't realize how poor they actually are. There's a lot of people who don't realize how poor they actually are. You see, if a person has a lot in life, if a person has a lot, it's hard for them to recognize where they don't have a lot. If you've just got everything you desire, it's very difficult for you to not realize where you don't have a lot. I love this statement. Listen to this. It'll come up on the screens. You will never depend on something you don't think you need. We will never depend on something we don't think we need. If there's something you don't think you need, you're not going to pursue it. You're not going to look for it because you don't think you need it. And we need to realize that we are nothing without Jesus. You see, those who don't, uh, sorry, uh, what that, uh, wrong place in my notes, I'm sorry. <laughs> what does it mean for people to be poor in spirit? What does it actually mean? Family, it means I can't get this on my own. I can't get this on my own. But there are some people, sadly, who think they can. There are some people who think, well, I can do it. I'm okay. Everything's good in my life. I'm making it happen. I'm a self-made person. You ever heard that? Sadly, there are some people who believe that and think that. But when we realize that everything that we do, any work of our own hands, doesn't mean anything to the Lord. Cannot earn our, our right standing with Him in any way. In the book of Revelations, and if you know anything about the book of Revelations, obviously it's the last books of your Bible. And there is, the Revelations is like the prophetic books. That's what they are, they're prophetic books. And I would encourage you to read Revelations. It's a great book to read right now. It'll kind of point out a few things for you. But yeah, Jesus is speaking to some of the churches. And in one of the churches, he says the following, in Revelation 3.15, he says this. He says, I know your deeds. He says, I know what you've done. You've done good things. You've helped people. You've fed some hungry. You've done some good things. You've supported certain things. I know your deeds. I know you've been doing some stuff. He goes on to say, I know your deeds, that, they, that you are neither cold nor hot. Family, when the Bible here yeah, refers to cold or hot, it's not referring to a believer and an unbeliever. 
They were all in the church. They were all children of God. He's referring to those that were for him, totally committed, and those who weren't. And yeah, he says, you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. The lukewarm one is the person who says, you know what? I'm okay. I'm in church. I'm not really fully committed to the things of God, but I'm here. I'm kind of half in the world. I'm not fully involved in the things of the world, but I'm, I'm there. I'm lukewarm. I come to church now and then kind of read my Bible occasionally. I'll support the odd work that happens every now and then. So they're not totally cold, and they're not totally hot. They're lukewarm. God says, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, this person says, I'm rich. I have acquired wealth and don't need a thing. That's where the lukewarm is. Everything's good. I'm living the life the way I enjoy it. I have enough money. Things are good. I'm here at church every now and then. Everything's good. But Jesus says, you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You see, the minute family, we can depend on anything that we are doing. Jesus says, you're wretched, pitiful, poor, and blind. We have to totally depend upon Him. You see, family, we all need to realize that this is how we are without Jesus, just in those words. And so tonight, I want to show you four things that God provides for us that we don't have. Four things that He provides for us that we don't have, with this understanding that we need to be totally dependent upon Him. And the first one is this. Without Jesus, I pay for my own sins. Without Jesus, I pay for my own sins. You see, church, I can be a good person. I could have not have murdered anybody. I could not have stolen from anybody. I could be a good person. I could be helping people here, there, and everywhere. I can be doing those things. I could be the person that um, uh, uh, um, is in church on a regular basis. I even say sorry to people when I disappoint them and hurt them. And if I think any of those things that I've mentioned help me to get into right standing with Jesus, I'm in trouble. Because none of them do. Nothing I do gets me into right standing with God. Not my big smiley face, not how friendly I am, not because I'm a good person or in the words of Apostle Thea, I help the old lady across the street even when she doesn't want to go. (laughs) None of my good works, nothing I do, but being a nice person, Have you ever spoken to people and you witness to them? And they say, but I'm a good person. I haven't hurt anybody. See, none of that qualifies us. You see, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned. Not some, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we need to understand that everybody has missed the mark. Everybody has missed the mark. That's just the truth of the matter. And there is only one price that could be paid for sin. There's only one price that could be paid for our sins. And Romans 6 tells us here, it says, For the price of your sin was death. It says here, the wages of sin is death. There was a price. That price is death. That's the price that had to be paid for our sin. Aren't you grateful Jesus paid that price? Family, I'm so grateful that Jesus paid that price. You see, there was a price. That price had to be paid. 
and it was paid. But if I do not accept that price and acknowledge what Jesus has done and totally lean upon him and depend upon him, I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay. Unfortunately, I, don't, I will fortunately, I don't want that. I'm going to acknowledge what Jesus did. It goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So family, there's nothing in between there. How many of you have had to ever earn a gift from somebody? If a friend of yours brings you a gift and tells you the only reason you're giving it to you is because you're such a nice guy and you helped them in the past, change your friends. <laughs> a gift is not given because you earned it. When your birthday comes along and you get given a gift, hopefully the person who gives it to you is just giving it to you because it's your birthday. You've done nothing to earn it, right? Yeah, we need to recognize that what we receive from Jesus is a gift. You cannot earn it. Being a good person doesn't make you earn your right standing with God. Too many people think that they're okay just because they're good people. You see, because of Jesus' family, I have the free gift of salvation, forgiveness, and eternal life through no other way. Only through Him. Only through Him. I love what it says here in Ephesians 2 from verse 1. It says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. That's where we were. We were all there, dead in our transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Think about that. You were an object, and I was an object of wrath. It was coming to us. But because of Jesus, we are no longer an object of wrath. That's what the Bible says. That's where we were. Wrath was on our way. We were an object of it. But because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, aren't you grateful God is merciful? His rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. I'm so grateful for the grace of God. You see, family, grace is getting what you don't deserve. We all deserve punishment. We all deserve that. But Jesus paid the price. And because of that, we can go free. You know, if, you, uh, if you've ever gone to a shop to buy something, you go buy a cold drink, and somebody else comes and pays it for you, and you get that cold drink. You could afford to have bought that, so it's no real big deal, right? I mean, you were going to pay for it anyway, so it's no big deal. You've got to understand, yeah, there was no way out for us. Nothing we could have done could have got us to skip the punishment that was coming. Nothing we could have done. Not how much money you got in the bank, not how nice you are, not the people you've helped. Not even coming to church every Sunday. Listen to me, family. Just by sitting in church is just not enough. You've got to surrender to Jesus. God has surrendered to Him. You must be in church. Yes, of course, you must be in church. Church is God's idea, by the way. It's not our idea. It's God's idea. We need to understand that. We've got to totally surrender to Him. The next point, the second one, the thing that God provides us that we, can't, that, that we don't have is that this, is that without Jesus... I can only cope through my pain and my personhood. I can only cope with it. I'm going to have to handle it. I'm going to have to live with it. 
That's the best I have without Jesus. You know, some people, when you speak to them, they've got the world on their shoulders. They're going through challenges. They've got this challenge. They've got the next challenge. And they just don't see a way out. And they learn to live with that. That's not Jesus' plan for their life. They learn to just accept that. You know, this is the way I am. You know, my dad was that way. His daddy was that way. We just, we just grumpy people. This is who we are. And then people go through challenges and they go through difficulties. And they have disappointments. And they say, well, this is just my lot in life. It's just my lot in life. You know, okay, sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. But that's not the truth. That's not what Jesus has for us. You see, if we don't have Jesus, we're going to have to just live with those pains and disappointments and, and just, you know, handle the challenges that come our way. And there's one thing that, that always kind of rubs me up the wrong way when I listen to some people. And they're speaking to people that are going through a tough time. And they say these words, don't worry, it's going to be okay. But it's not. It's not going to be okay. They're lying to them. It's not going to be okay. If you don't have Jesus, it's not going to be okay. And they give them this false hope. Look what Jeremiah says. In Jeremiah 6.14, it says, They offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wounds. Oh, it's going to be okay. It goes on to say, They give assurance of peace where there is no peace. Tell them it's going to be fine, but they don't give them a solution. Just pat them on the back. Don't worry, you'll get through this. You'll be better for it. But where's Jesus? Where's the loving Savior? They don't offer that. He's the answer. He's the one who heals the broken heart, who sets the captive free. And they don't offer that. And so for me, it's always just something that's really puzzled me. It just rubs me up the wrong way. They always tell me, it's going to be okay. When you know deep down, it's not going to be okay. Because you're not giving the solution. You're just trying to, well... Help them. Just, you're sticking on a bandit. That's the best you're doing. You're just sticking on a bandit. That thing's going to fester. That's all they're doing. You see, family, because of Jesus, I have the power to be healed and transformed. He can set you free from those things. You don't have to go through what you went with your family's family or their family. You don't have to go through that. You can have wholeness. You can have completeness. You can be reassured that the Lord is with you. In 1 Peter 2, 24, you know this well. Verses 24 and 25, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. For by his wounds you have been healed. Yes, the Lord physically heals you, but He can emotionally heal you, mentally heal you. He can help you in every area. The Lord can do it if you will allow Him. It goes on in verse 25 to say, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Isn't it wonderful to know you have a shepherd of your soul, your will, your mind, and your emotion? You have a Lord who wants to see you changed and whole. You see, family, you can be healed and transformed. It is a truth. You can be set free. Some people are so deep in that hole, they just don't think there's a way out. Friend, there's a way out. There's a way out. He's Jesus. We can experience everything the Lord has for us. Do you know you can walk with the joy of the Lord, even in a challenging situation? If you will know Jesus, Galatians 5.22 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, patience. We can do it with patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are what's what you're entitled to as a believer if Jesus is Lord of your life. The third thing that we can get, that we can get, that 
we can't get on our own that the Lord gives us is this. Without Jesus, I'm trying to find my own life or create my own life. I'm just trying to figure it out without Jesus. I don't know what kind of why I'm here, but I'm just going to try and figure it out. Hopefully, maybe, if I'm lucky, I don't like to use that word. <laughs> if I'm lucky, I'll just, you know, strike it and make it happen. There's so many people, if you speak to them, they want to know, what, what, what must I do with my life? What is the purpose of my life? Well, friend, no one was born by accident. The way you conceived might not have been, the way you were conceived might not have been great. Because it is possible. You could have been conceived through, an ugly, conceived through an ugly situation, but you're not born by accident. God destined you. He has a destiny for you. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, you know it well, but listen to this carefully. God says, for I know. I know the plans I have for you. There is a plan for you. He has a plan for you, but he knows it. And if you want to know what he knows, you've got to get to know him. <laughs> he says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. There are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Child of God, Jesus loves you. There's a plan for your life. He has it. You don't have to try and figure out how am I going to get there? What am I going to do? What am I supposed to be doing? We will help you as a church. Get into a group. Get onto growth track. We will help you find out what you're destined for through the word of God, through drawing closer to Jesus. Next steps that help you to get closer to Jesus. I love Acts 17. Acts 17, 26. Listen to this. It says, from one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he, God, listen to this very carefully, and he, God, determined the times set for them. You are not born now by accident. God set this time for you. If he wanted you born in 1850, that's when you would have been born. If he wanted you to be born in 2075, that's when you'll be born. The Bible says he set the time for you and the exact places where you should live. And when we don't seek God, listen to me, family, when we don't seek God and realize we're nothing without Him, and when we try and figure it out for ourselves, then we wander off all over the world and all in different parts of the country because we think we got a better job there, a better opportunity. And this is the problem. You then don't miss the people, you know, then you don't connect with the people God intended you to connect with because you've moved yourself out of His plan. Where God has your breakthrough here in Johannesburg and you're living in Cape Town. Or God has your breakthrough in Cape Town and you're living here in Johannesburg. Why? Because you chose not to seek Him. He knows the plan. The plan is to prosper you and not to harm you. But He's got to be all. Amen? It goes on to say this. God did that. The reason He's written this. The reason He wants you to do this. He did that so that men would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him though he is not far from each of us. For in him, we live and move and have our being. God wants you to totally lean upon him and he will show you his plan for your life. The last one, number four is this. Without Jesus, I'm living my life for joys that fade away. Without Jesus, I'm living my life for joys that fade away. Have you ever wondered why people run after stuff, buy stuff, and do all these wonderful and weird things? It's because they're trying to fill a void that they can't fill on their own. They're trying to do something to give them the spark of happiness 
but they can't get it because the Lord gives you joy. Happiness is about what's happening around you. That's where the word happiness comes from. It comes from the word hap, which means happening. So when the things are happening around you, good, you're happy. When the things around you are not so good, you're not so happy. When your team is winning, you're happy, Clive. When your team's not so winning, you're not so happy. That's happy. But joy doesn't come from those things. Joy stays no matter what's happening around you. You know, when I was preparing for this session tonight, I came across a word I didn't know existed, okay? So study's good. <laughs> and it's the word anhedonia. Anhedonia. And anhedonia is a symptom of depression. And this is what anhedonia means. Anhedonia means this. The things that brought you pleasure don't anymore. The things that brought you pleasure don't anymore. And there are people like that. They're trying to fill their life with stuff. And this was good. Oh, it was exciting. But oh, I do it again and again. It's not the same. And we try to find things to give us joys that just fade if we don't have Jesus. You know, you don't have to live that way. 1 Peter 1.3 says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now listen to verse 4. And into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. What God has for you, what He's intended for you to do, will never perish, spoil or fade. You will always be happy. You'll always have that inner joy when you're doing what God has destined you to do. That's the thing, family. Because of Jesus, I can have the joy of living a life that glorifies God and impacts others. Family, our life must impact others. Whatever we're doing, our life must impact others. Jesus said, I came to seek and save those who were lost. He came for others. He wants us to do stuff for others. If you truly want to find happiness and joy, do something that will touch the life of others. John 15 verse 8 says this. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verse 11, I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. God wants you to have a complete joy. If we can learn that the poor in spirit are people that are totally 100% dependent upon God. Nothing that your hand produces is worth anything if you don't have Jesus. You see, you will never be happy until you're doing something with your life that impacts the life of another. So family, what is the big idea of the first beatitude? It's simply this. The happiest people in the world are the ones who say, Jesus, I need you. The happiest people, Jesus, I need you. No matter where you are, no matter where you are financially, no matter where you are in life, if you can just always acknowledge, Jesus, I need you. I recognize that without you, I can do nothing. It's not about me, what I've accomplished. It's not about my education. It's always about you. He may use your education and he may use what he's put inside you, but it's only because of him. And so tonight, I want to pray for you this evening. And I'm going to ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. I want to pray for you. If you're sitting here, you're online, or you're in another venue, and you're saying, you know, Pastor, I, I'm just feeling anxious in life. I have anxiety. I, I feel the weight of the world on my shoulders. At times, I'm having bouts of depression. I just feel lost. I feel alone. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Family, Jesus wants you free. 
I want to pray for you this evening. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if this is you, I'm going to ask you to take a bold step. And wherever you are, you want to pray for those things that I've mentioned, just stand up. Stand up now. I want to pray for you. You feel there's just a weight on your shoulders. You feel depressed. You feel anxious. There's anxiety. There's feel alone. You just, just don't know what to do next. I want to pray for you. And Jesus, the great healer, the loving God, amazing lover of your soul, will reach out and touch you where you're at and set you free. So I'm going to pray for you this evening. Just raise your hands to heaven as I pray, as a sign of surrender. And believe now that God's going to touch you. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are our loving, caring Father. And we know without a shadow of a doubt it's your will for us to experience your joy and your peace, to walk in victory and freedom. And I thank you right now for the authority you've given us as the believer. And I come against every lying, demonic spirit, every devil that is harassing these people. And I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. I command you to leave these people, leave their homes, loose them in Jesus' name. Father, right now, I thank you that your anointing will touch every person. Your yoke-breaking anointing comes down upon them right now, whether they're at home, in this venue, in another venue. And I thank you for your anointing upon them right now. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just say, I receive. Hallelujah. Thank you, friend. You may be seated. Now, to all of you that stood or to anybody else, we are running, starting on the 16th, Emotional Restoration. Amazing curriculum through a group environment, a group setting. I'm inviting you to come along on the 16th right here at 7 p.m. at the Dr. Bev. It's called Emotional Restoration. It's going to help you walk in victory, freedom, deal with those things in your life that, help, that make you feel bound. It's going to cover many things, bitterness, depression, the, certain things of the occult that you might not realize are holding you back. Come along, speak to them at the group's counter, which is right in the middle of the mall. Or you can go onto our church center app and go under events and just register for it. So we know you're coming. We're prepared. And they'll speak to you about what the costs are for that. But I want to encourage you to be there. Some great next steps to help you walk in freedom. And even if you just want to find out about the subject, you can join that group as well. And they'll help you through that. Amen. But let me pray for the rest of you. Won't you bow your heads this evening? For every person that's sitting here tonight or online, and you've listened to this message and you heard about this wonderful Savior, but you've never surrendered your life to Him. You've never said, Jesus, I need you. I surrender my life to you. I want to pray for you tonight that you can be in right standing with God, that you can know for sure that once we've prayed this prayer, that heaven is your home and all your sins have just been taken care of by this loving Savior. So tonight, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to raise your hands in a moment, not now, in a moment when I count to three. Or you once served the Lord and you know that you've drifted away. Your relationship with Him has grown cold. But tonight is your night. You want to come back. Then in a moment when I count to three, you can raise your hands with the others. And I'll pray for you. And thirdly, my last invitation is to anybody who's sitting here 
And you just don't know that when you breathe your last, you don't know if you're going to make it to heaven. Friend, please, don't leave here tonight without praying this prayer. That you can know for sure that heaven is your home. So at the count of three, you want to come to Jesus for the first time, come back to Him, or know for sure that heaven is your home. Won't you raise your hands? One, two, three. Just raise it above your head. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Well done. God bless you. I see a number of hands going up. God bless you, sir. Ma'am, wonderful decision there. Hands going up at the back there. God bless you. Wherever you are, just raise your hands. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're online, you can do the same thing. If you're in another venue, just do the same thing. Now, friend, I'm inviting a member of this church just to slip over and put their hands on your shoulder. We want to pray together with you. But I'm going to ask everybody here tonight to pray this prayer with me, but especially those that have raised their hands. Let's pray this prayer together. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight just as I am. I ask you, Lord, please forgive me for every sin. I do believe Jesus is Lord. He was raised from the dead. And I invite Him to be my Lord and Savior. Tonight, I choose to forgive every person who has hurt me or offended me. I thank you for that. And tonight, I rejoice because I am now part of your heavenly family. Heaven is my home, and you are my loving Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.